Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible study. It's posted every Wednesday evening at 6 o'clock, I'm sorry, 6.30, which is the regular time that we meet together as the Sunny Slope Church of Christ for Wednesday night Bible classes at the church building. Now, we know there are people in our area who cannot get out or else they have schedule conflicts that do not allow them to be with us at 6.30 each Wednesday evening for midweek Bible classes. And we know that there are other people who listen to our podcasts. They want to get into God's Word, but they live in other parts of the state or the country or different parts of the world, literally. And so we're thankful to be able to have the opportunity and the ability and the means to podcast these Bible studies all around the world through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. We're thankful that you want to be in God's word, that you want to learn more from his teachings. And we're thankful to have the opportunity and the ability to be able to help you along that line. We encourage you, if you're in the Omaha area, come and be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha, 3606 North 108th Street. Bible classes begin on Sunday morning at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30. Sunday evening, we come back together at 6 o'clock each Sunday evening for another period of worship and Bible study. And on Wednesday evenings, right in the middle of the week, 6.30 each Wednesday evening, we come back together for midweek Bible classes. Good time to get our spiritual batteries recharged and be better ready to take on life for the rest of the week. Well, Go to our website also. By the way, share these studies with everybody you can. You know people who need to turn their lives around. They need to get deeper into God's word, grow in their faith. Help them by sharing these studies with them through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. With everybody you can, literally. Family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, everybody. You may help somebody turn their life around. That'll be a great blessing for them, but also a great blessing for you. And tell everybody about our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. They can click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It's free. It always will be free. And then they can begin receiving these studies themselves, along with a whole lot more Bible teaching. A Wednesday night, not just a Wednesday night and Sunday morning Bible class, but all of our sermons, plus a daily Monday through Friday radio program we call Search the Scriptures. And then a seven-day-a-week short Bible class every single day, seven days a week, only about 13 minutes each day, but it keeps us in God's Word. We call that today's Bible class. Again, all of that will be free, and it will go automatically to their smart device, whether that's their smartphone or computer or whatever device they choose. So tell everybody you can. We're going to get back into our study from 3 John, and we're really coming toward the end of this particular study, but we're probably not going to get quite to the end this time. I'm sorry, 2 John. And so we have been looking at John's three inspired letters, 1 John, 2 John, then we'll follow that up with 3 John. And again, 2 John and 3 John are very short, only uh, 13 lessons and uh, 13 verses in 2 John, 14 verses in 3 John. But as we have noted, John fills these particular inspired books of the New Testament, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, with a tremendous amount of instructive material for 
the Christian, how we need to live in our everyday lives. Help us to be strong in the faith and stay strong in the faith and be able to understand the importance of following God his way as he has laid out for us in his word, the scriptures, the Bible. Well, we come to verse 8 in Second John, and I want to go back and read verse 7 for more for continuity and everything, and then we'll pick up with verse 8 in earnest. So in verse 7, John wrote, for many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Now, we've talked about how John uses that particular identification, Antichrist, a number of times in these three letters. And a lot of people today, they think of that word Antichrist and what it means, and they're thinking about the devil. (laughs) They're thinking about the devil's going to come back one day, and and he's going to be the Antichrist, and he's going to deceive everybody into thinking he's really a a servant of God and a teacher of God's word and so on. He's going to hoodwink all of humanity or a whole lot of humanity and, and lead them to hell. Well, an Antichrist is anyone who teaches against Christ, and John's been bringing that out. Now, when he says here in verse 7, many deceivers, we could also think of a false teacher, at least in a sense, being an antichrist because he's teaching false doctrine that, that contradicts the true doctrine of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as communicated to us in the New Testament scriptures. And so when somebody is teaching false doctrine, false teachings that contradict God's true word, well, in a sense, they could be understand, un, understood at least, again, in a sense, as being an antichrist because they're actually teaching people things that will lead them away from truly, faithfully, and obediently following the teachings of Jesus Christ. But right here in verse 7, John is, is specifying deceivers who, and deceivers are false teachers again, of all stripes, but he says deceivers who have Uh, who have not confessed Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. Now, that was a particular line of belief by some people, a group of false teachers back in those early years after the church was established on this earth. So we're still talking about the first century. And there was a group of people who, well, they might have believed in Jesus, but they did not believe that he came in the flesh, that he came in human form. And John's saying, look, If you don't believe that, if you're teaching against that, then you're basically taking the position of an antichrist, a deceiver, a false teacher, and an antichrist. You're teaching against Christ. Now, some of those folks might say, well, no, we believed in in Jesus, just not in fleshly form. No, he came as a human being while still fully divine. He went to that cross in physical form. He died on that cross physically. He was buried physically, his physical body buried in that tomb, and he that body arose from that grave. Now, when you're teaching against that, you're teaching against Christ, and John says that person would be an antichrist. He's teaching against Christ. Anti means against. And so in, to whatever degree you're teaching against what the New Testament reveals 
as the truth of Jesus coming as the Savior, then you're teaching against Christ. That's the position of an antichrist. Now, there's some people who, who would say that Jesus never died on that cross. He just kind of, because of the beating that he took before they nailed him to that cross, because of the abuse that he suffered going through those three mock trials to cover the basis for the Jewish leadership being beaten and so on, they say he just kind of swooned and it looked like he was dead. And they put him in that cross, and they put him in that tomb, and then he 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 revived and he came forth out of that tomb. No. He died literally on that cross. Those Roman soldiers were experts in killing, in execution. That Roman officer who rammed that spear into Jesus' side and blood and water came forth pouring out, he knew exactly how to kill a person. He was trained as a warrior in the army of Rome. Jesus literally died on that cross. So when somebody teaches against Jesus having literally died, and remember now, over and over again, we read in the New Testament scriptures that he gave his life, that he was sacrificed. There's no question that the scriptures teach that he died on that cross. He came to die on that cross as our Savior. And when someone tries to say, well, he didn't really die, he just swooned and then he came forth, well, they're talking about Jesus being a fake and a fraud. And that's teaching against Jesus, and that puts that person in a position of being an antichrist. So understand, we're not just talking about the devil as being an antichrist. We're talking about anyone who teaches against Jesus as being an antichrist. Now, think about the major religions, some of the major religions in this world who deny Christ as the Savior, as God's Son. They're teaching against Christ. Now, that makes them an antichrist by the basic definition of the term. All right, well, now let's look at verse 8. And here John goes on and he says, look to yourselves that we do not lose those things which we, those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Now, John's not talking about somehow going to work on a secular job and putting in whatever time you put in every day and how many ever, however many days a week you do that, and then you draw your pay at the end of the week or every two weeks or uh, once a month or whatever the terms might be. He's not talking about that kind of work. He's not talking about that kind of, 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 of losing what we, what we have earned or what we have gained. So look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for. He's not talking about material possessions here. He's talking about, notice what he says, that, but that we may receive a full reward. He's talking about spiritual reward. He's talking about don't lose those spiritual blessings that God has blessed you with. And someone might say, well, how could I lose a blessing from God? Walk away from God. You can lose his blessings. God's blessings upon mankind as, as supposedly his faithful followers has always been conditioned upon their continuing to be faithful followers of his. Now, does God make the rain fall and the just and the unjust, the believers and the unbelievers? Yes. Through those natural elements? Yes. God blesses all mankind. 
but it's for the purpose of helping man see God as the blessing giver. But the ultimate reward, the ultimate blessings that God offers us are spiritual. And that's what John's talking about here. Forgiveness, redemption, salvation, eternal life through Jesus Christ, God's Son and our Lord and Savior. Those are the blessings that John's really referring to here. Don't do something. Don't get careless that could end up in you losing your reward. So look to yourselves that we do not lose the things which we worked for. Now, what does that mean, look to yourselves? Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves. If we look at Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1, the Hebrews writer spoke along this line. Notice how he put it. Therefore, we must give the more earnest things to the things, uh, the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. You see, learning a truth is valuable, but its continued value resides in our continuing to live by that truth. But if we become careless in our applying that truth to our lives, well, we can drift away from the effects of that truth. Now, someone might say, well, well, I'm not sure. You know, explain a little bit here. Help me to understand better the principle of what you're talking about. Let's say we apply. Now, let's say we go to college and we, we study a major that prepares us for a really good profession when we graduate college and we go into the workforce. And then once we graduate, we apply for a job in that particular discipline that we have studied for and majored in for the last four to six years or more. We get that job. It's a good-paying job. It's a secure job. But somewhere along the line, we start to become careless in our dedication to do that work. We start missing days just because we're, yeah, we want to go fishing. Yeah, we want to go to a ball game. We just want to sleep in. So we start missing days on a more and more repetitive basis. It's not because we're sick. It's not because we're injured or we feel bad. We just just didn't want to go to work today. Well, also we start getting careless in how dedicated we are to perform our job assignment effectively and successfully and consistently. And so we're drifting away from the benefits and the security of that job because we're putting our job in jeopardy. And then here comes the supervisor or the owner and says, I can't use you anymore. I've talked to you a number of times about how your job performance has been degrading on a regular basis, and you have not changed, and I'm going to have to let you go. Well, we've drifted away by our own actions from the security and the benefits of that job. Now, that's on a secular level. When we stop paying proper attention and focus to our spiritual lives, 
our dedication to God through Jesus Christ, we can become weaker and weaker in our faith, and we can start to drift away from our dedication and commitment to God through Jesus Christ. Becoming weaker and weaker in our faith, we, we can become more and more unfaithful, unfaithful. And remember what Jesus said in Revelation 2 and verse 10, be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. So we need to pay attention. So John says, look to yourselves. When we turn to Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, and I want us to read verse 15. And here the apostle Paul addresses this principle as well. He says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And we've talked about that word circumspectly a number of times in our various studies together here on, on, in, our, in our Bible class here and also in our other podcasts. To walk circumspectly is the idea of paying close attention to what you're doing and what you're considering to be about doing. So you're, you've got this decision. Am I going to make this choice? And am I going to go in this direction? Am I, am I going to choose this particular line of, 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 of direction in my life next? Am I going to take this job? Am I going to get involved in this activity? Now, the closest thing probably that we would you know, say, use as a synonym when we say walk circumspectly, we'd say walk carefully. But the, that word circumspectly goes beyond what we normally think of as, as carefulness. It's the idea of super carefulness. I've, compa- I've compared it many times to playing chess. And if you've ever played chess, you know you don't just take one move and that's all you're focusing on. You're focusing on, if I take this particular move, what is my opponent going to do in response? And then what will I do in response to his response? And then what will he do in response to my response to his response? And so it goes. Master chess players, they, they kind of plot out a whole course of action several moves down the line. Well, that's the idea, not just should I take this next step? But if I do take this next step, what will that lead to? And then what will that step lead to? And what will that step lead to? That's the idea of walking circumspectly through life, particularly paying attention to our spiritual life and direction in taking these actions. Now, we look a little bit further along this line in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, and here the apostle Paul puts it in, in very direct language. He says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? He really uses several statements there to get across, to emphasize and reemphasize our need to check ourselves out, out, so to speak, or to check up on ourselves. Are we really walking in the faith by God's word? Are we really staying faithful? Are we living by his teachings? Are we being obedient? Are we being consistent in our dedication 
and commitment to God. Are we staying faithful day in and day out all day long? Remember what Jesus said again, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Well, so when John says here, look to yourselves, he says you need to pay attention. Why do we need to examine ourselves so that we do not lose the things we worked for? What a shame for somebody to work hard at a job for many years and then become careless and not only lose the job, but by virtue of losing the job, he loses his home, he loses his car, he loses his savings, and on and on the the case might go. Maybe even loses his family along the way. Well, our souls, our soul's salvation is a whole lot more important and valuable than a job, than a house, than cars, than money in the bank. And so John says, look to yourselves, continually examine yourselves as to whether you are still walking in the purity of God's word, in faithfulness, in the faith, so that you do not lose the things which you've worked for, the things which you have put in so much time and effort and focus in developing in your life. And that basically, bottom line, is your faith. Why do we keep emphasizing? Stay in God's word. Read the Bible regularly. Because faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. So look to yourselves. Keep studying. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15. Paul said, study, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or correctly handling and applying the word of truth, God's word. So again, John says, 2 John verse 8, look to yourselves, examine yourselves. Make sure you're staying the course that we do not lose the things that we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. We want that home in heaven. We want eternal life with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Well, what has somebody said? Many people, in fact, have said, anything worth having is worth working for. But again, if you're, if you're looking for a goal, you've got to work toward that goal, toward making it become reality. You've got to be diligent. You've got to be focused. You've got to be consistent. You've got to be committed. Commitment to God through Jesus Christ is absolutely essential to our ultimately receiving the reward of an eternal home in heaven with them. We've got to stay committed. We've got to keep examining ourselves. And I will say, I've said this many times in teaching on this particular point. Self-examination is painful if it's honest self-examination. Because if we're really honestly examining ourselves, how we're living, we're going to see flaws and faults in our lives and our need to correct those. But as we correct those, we get back on track, and we become more assured 
of the ultimate final reward. As I've said many, many, many times in teaching, if you don't get to heaven, your life's been a failure. And really, bottom line, if you boil it down, getting to heaven is all that matters. I did have a lady tell me one time, kind of taking exception with that statement, well, what about taking somebody with, with you? And I've, my response is, and I'm using <laughs> incorrect grammar here for the sake of emphasis, if you ain't going to heaven, you ain't taking nobody with you. I hope you get that message. You have to be walking that walk for you to be able to help somebody else walk that walk with you. Getting to heaven, that's bottom line. That's all that matters. And if you don't get to heaven, bottom line, you're a failure in life. Think about that. Swish that around. I know that sounds harsh to a lot of people, but truth sometimes smacks us right in the face. But it's the truth nonetheless. We'll continue on with a key couple of verses, verses 9 and 10, and I want us to spend some time with these next time in Second John. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for blessing us with your word to guide us in your will. Thank you for your word teaching us about Jesus as our Savior, and thank you so much for loving us so much that you sent him into this world with the gospel message of salvation and ultimately sent him to that cross to be the perfect sacrifice to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. Thank you, Father. Praise, glory, honor, and thanks be to you. And help us to always examine ourselves to make sure that we are living by your teachings faithfully and obediently and consistently. And in so doing, please bless us with the confidence of knowing that our eternal reward is secure because you've promised it. Please forgive us, gracious Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.